my favorite quote at Dry Farm Wines, we recite this quote quite often, and it goes like this. When you look back on a well-lived life, there likely would be three things that you thought were very important. One, how much you loved. Number two, how gently you lived. And number three, how gracefully you release the things that are not meant for you. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. Sitting across from me is my extra salty co-host. And I am Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we are talking off the clock with Todd White, who is CEO and founder of Dry Farm Wines which we are big fans of. Mm-hmm. We're skipping the hangover on this one. I love it. We sampled and we liked. It was so good, so fresh. We're so excited about this episode, you guys. So ooh, before we get into that, tip of the week, Samantha, what do you got? All right. It's summer. Actually, we're almost damn near in fall. Summer, I don't know how summer went so fast. <laughs> I like, know, right? Where is it hell? going? But I'm just now getting to my spring cleaning. This spring was a cluster. I did not have the time. So I'm just now getting into my spring cleaning groove. Let me just say, it is like one of the most fresh feelings in life Mm. to just do an overhaul. If you are one of those people that saves clothes because either you used to fit in it and you're going to get back in it, Mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. Just let it go. Or if you're saving clothes because they're too big and you're like, oh, well, just in case I like gain weight, I'm going to have them, let them go. Yeah, no, let it go. Throw them away. What's your, what's your like rule of thumb as far as time? What I'm doing this time going through my closet is if I haven't worn it in 2020, I'm throwing mm-hmm. it away. Oh, I love that. Because why? Why am I hoarding shit? Yeah. It's so hard. I, I, I have hoarder tendencies where I could easily want to, but I also get in these crazy clean modes. Maybe I'm mentally ill. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just think that it's a slippery slope where I could justify all these reasons like why I want to save things. But then I like get in this like, no, I make a hard and fast rule like that. Like when I had sold my house and I was moving, I'm like everything in my garage. I'm like, well, it's sat in my garage for a year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. If it's sat in here untouched, it's different. I'm not talking about like I still have two crates full of like childhood things. Right. Like that's different though. That's, that's nostalgic like life, items right. that are, yeah. you know, memorable memories. But it's We're talking about the shirts stuff. from college that you're like, okay, I could probably donate this now. And beyond even else. just clothes. Yeah. Shoes. Right. And even just other Makeup stuff that you, ago. yeah, throw it away. Mm-hmm. If you honestly, if, and I know there's like the, the Marie Kondo, if it brings you joy, I used to do that shit. And then I could justify why everything brought me joy. <laughs> because I'm like it was my I, but I like this I, I like, like this. it I bought it obviously it brings me joy but it's like no am I using it right and if it is sat untouched for that long I obviously don't need it let it go mm-hmm. that's Ooh. my tip and it feels good honestly also I'm just trying to be really in a better habit about tidying up and cleaning up before I go to sleep because one of the best feelings in the world is waking up and opening my bedroom door and just seeing a clean place. It's yeah, like, it feels oh, it's so, so calming good. and comforting. Doesn't so it? get your spring cleaning on in August. I love that. <laughs> love that for you. Love that for you. Love that for me. Okay, so mine this week is Sam has actually come over and used it. And I'm so I definitely feel like this is a good tip. Yes. So this is called a so right. It's P-S-O-R-I-T-E. 
So I highly recommend this to all of you. If you are someone that struggles with back pain, neck pain, um, sciatic pain, anything of the above. So Jacob and I discovered this um, actually, I think, through his CrossFit gym. Um, and then also Nathan, who he actually came on the show early, early on, who you need to see. I know. I, he's my wonderful. back is jacked Yes. Up. He's just so good. So he's a chiropractic slash massage slash trainer. He's all the things. And Jacob and I go see him. And he... Um, started manipulating it's in your hip area it's called your so it's your it's a deep deep tendon muscle it hurts so good yes and so what it does is the purpose of the so right in the original this is their first product is you basically lay on it face down and it digs into the muscle and the tendon into your hip areas and essentially what it does is it loosens it up because what happens is your quad attaches up to your hip which attaches to your back which attaches to your spine so it basically loosens it up this my neck my my back back. use the so (laughs) on my crack so um that was their first thing it's called a so right that's how it started and i got one now and you got one i love it i like to use it before deadlifts so you basically lay on it yeah dig into actually that one it has it comes with a manual that shows you a bunch of different positions because you can use that one for your back and for your like quads and different areas There's of your body ways you to can like lay on, lay on it for it. sure. Yeah. Then we we have the neck one. That, that one you, is superior. I need that one. It's so good. I'm going to steal it when I go home. So you probably. basically like <laughs> lay on it <laughs> with your spine down the middle and you just dig into it and it just feels it you feel all of those pressure Remember tension. when I laid on it yesterday and it made this loud crack oh that God. Jacob <laughs> heard from across she the literally house. Was like, Did you hear no, I didn't even say that. He's like, I heard that. I'm like, yeah, because it was like. <laughs> it just, it feels good. And especially when we're all hunched over, we're all over My these... posture right now is terrible, actually. Right. And, you know, we're working in isolates. We're working with patients. We're, we're charting. We're doing these things. You have to open up all of these areas. And not to mention even the front of your, like, um, what's this called? The shoulder area. What's this? clavicle your pec area even that gets really tight and it pulls you forward so these all of these things that so right has created they have minis they have one for your back they have one for your your hip area highly look like a little keychain one i know what is that for by the way it, it comes like you can use it to just dig, dig into, into your... little areas okay, yeah yeah I, i'm i'm into that it's it's pain but it feels so good it's like painful it hurts so good hurts so good i'm a fan especially with like the lifting and stuff we need to like get on with them and i know we like even proposition them we should i want you to paint me like one of your french girls we need to make like a hot pink one with them or something you know what i mean yes (laughs) i just i want the neck one i have the other one but my back i'm convinced i have scoliosis Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) self-diagnosed but my clothes fit in asymmetry and my shoulders are uneven. As far as I'm concerned, I have scoliosis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there you go. <laughs> but we're diverse. We're, we have a solution here for you. Get yourself a so right. So we love it. We highly recommend that for you guys. And okay, unpopular opinion of the week, Samantha. What do we got? <laughs> unpopular opinion. Ranch is the superior condiment. <laughs> Point blank and simple. It's Absolutely. better than all the others. Done. Done. Like you ketchup people. No, mm. you're wrong. Why is a ranch a staple? It should be a staple. It's Absolutely. so much better. You know what's funny, though? Okay, there's some French fries that only taste good with ranch, but some only taste good with ketchup. Okay. Like, would you is... eat McDonald's French fries with ranch? No. No. Those have to be not. with ketchup. Yeah, for sure. 
like it's that. so weird but like curly yeah. fries have to be eaten with ranch yeah okay yeah I, I see it's where you're just going. like yes. is that not weird also certain types of ranch are but, superior yes okay. okay chili's ranch is elite level delish ranch it is but clean. hidden valley where are we at hidden valley's trash i hate i can't stand i hidden think valley. hidden valley is that like technically the original i don't know but it's the worst i don't even know but also like pizza parlors always have the best ranch yes. you know what i mean because it's thick i like a nice buttermilk ranch no see but you? i like it a little more thin i'm a i'm a thin ranch girl. hidden valley's thin no hidden valley's kind of gross and thick oh i guess you're right you know what yeah I mean? but it's weird the taste is off yeah it's just not good when people like get out hidden valley i'm like Mm. <laughs> you're getting judged hardcore yeah. if you bring that shit out i am not a hidden valley fan but i'm a, you know a what i would actually fan. do my mom has done this before she'll actually go buy a tub of of the ranch from like a pizza parlor and that's what she'll get like she won't buy the chili's ranch if i could buy that in a gallon and just bathe in it <laughs> i would i have a serious like love affair with chili's ranch it is so good yeah yeah, oh my god, I'm know. going there after my competition on Saturday to Chili's. <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me. I'm like, Chili's is so dank. I don't care what anyone that, says. That and then their cheese. What's the cheese dip that they the have? The queso. The queso. And then I get kids' chicken crispers with extra ranch, yes. and I live my best life. Done. Another unpopular opinion: Chili's is better than Applebee's. Applebee's is disgusting. Absolutely. I would rather starve to death know. than eat at Applebee's. You know what though? I have not been to an Applebee's. I swear, probably since maybe before college yeah same because I, why because i have taste chili's buds, is good <laughs> and i refuse like i would rather sit yeah. at home and i don't know start i'm a chili i love chili's chili's is so underrated also, for being a mediocre chain restaurant chili's is so underrated it is, it's really I, yeah give yeah, chili their agree. props like yes i love some fancy like fine dining like take me to mastro's let me get a delicious ribeye with lobster mac or lobster yeah they have lobster mac and cheese and get some butter cake and live my best life but i will just annihilate and take down some chili's crispers with ranch you know what else is really good maybe unpopular opinion outback bloomin onion baby okay Outback, because I'm a little so bit good. of a snake stop, like it's hard to get behind. But then to me, I'm just like, if you put an, if you give me a fatty cut of anything, I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. Like a ribeye with all that fat. I don't. I don't even like, know how I feel about that, but they're blooming. But the blooming onion. Done. Yeah. So good. Remember, was it Chili's that used to have an awesome blossom? Maybe that's what it is, too. They probably do. Well, they have a blooming onion at Outback. But I think, remember, Awesome Blossom? I think that was Chili's, like, back in our, like, day in the 90s. And I think they got rid of it. You know what? Okay, here's the thing. I'm here for eating, like, you know, you have your fine, you know, your really good moment where you're, like, having your I love a bougie shit, meal. But then I love me a good chili. Chili's you know what I mean? Hits. Sometimes you just need a, a hamburger, okay? Like, Chili's then, let me live. slaps. Yes. Oh, my God. Are we being hip millennials using <laughs> lingo? Like slaps because good. If that makes me a hip millennial, chili Dumb. slaps. Okay, chili's is so fire. I have like I'm so passionate it about chili's and forcing better. people to go there. But it's always a fight with my gym friends because they want to go to Applebee's and I'm like, why? I don't know. Applebee's is trash. I don't. I don't know unless you have a really good bartender there. TGI Fridays really also with. trash. I don't know. I haven't been to Fridays. In yeah, forever. because it's trash. <laughs> but chili's is fire. <laughs> I hope they send Chili. Send me a gift card. <laughs> I am your number one fan, Chili's. I am literally always talking about now you. You're making me want to go. Ranch. Today, I literally posted a meme on my stories that said, "Why don't we put ranch on the vaccines?" And I was like, "If it was Chili's <laughs> ranch, I think we could reach herd immunity if we put Chili's ranch done with the vaccine. Done. Herd yes, immunity please. by the end of the year, you guys. You know what else is really good? 
islands islands i'm sure islands moment. yeah i think oh we're just God. like we're let's talk about ranch and now let's go down memory lane of all <laughs> of the mediocre islands chain just restaurants. their burgers just hit hit so well they're so good also red robin red robin okay they're clucks <laughs> and fries. fries they're clucks and fries their fries need to be eaten with ranch yeah absolutely. not ketchup Done. so it's just funny there's certain fries that go with ranch and certain Done. fries that go with ketchup red robin fries have to go with ranch Probably the best unpopular opinion. <laughs> I don't know, but if you like ketchup more than ranch, you're we have a problem. You're wrong. Yeah, you're just I, wrong. I <laughs> I'm I sorry, just, but no. you're wrong. I could also go down the rabbit hole of um, what's the buffalo buffalo sauce? Buffalo sauce is a good addition to everything. Absolutely, I'm here for that. Um, if I wanted to be fancy, I am a garlic aioli type of gal. I love me a little aioli. Like, remember that place we went with the fries that had the garlic aioli, and oh, I asked the guy to bring me an uncomfortable extra. amount. <laughs> I literally ordered. I was like, can you give me an uncomfortable amount of garlic aioli on the side? And he was like, okay, this is awkward. So, like, yeah, I just love me a good, I mean, just like, I just think about all, anything with buffalo sauce on it, I'm in. Done. Yeah, done. Like, cauliflower, bu- done. Yes. Uh, any wings, uh, done. I'm in. You know, it's sign like. Sign me up. D- sign me Fuck up, Fuck me up, fam. Mm-hmm. Can we just, since we're going to, we're here. We're already here. Let's right. just live in it. Yeah. Mayonnaise. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, I used to hate mayonnaise, but now I like love. Okay, when you yeah, mayonnaise has a moment. Okay, you know the habit. Their burgers come with mayonnaise is like a default, okay. unless you order it without. I think most burgers do. No, right? I feel like that's no thing. other place, no other like fast food place puts mayonnaise on their burgers. And so I ordered it, not really realizing there was mayonnaise. That shit was fire. <laughs> so then when I had a burger on Fourth of July, we just had like a family barbecue. Uh-huh. I was like should I do it mm. I was like I'm gonna do it and I put mayonnaise on it and I was like this this is it I think I move. like it on yeah I do My like adulthood. it on burgers yeah uh sandwich is a hit or miss I love me. avocado with mayonnaise on a sandwich okay Ex- yeah nah. see I'm, I'm I'm mixed I don't know it also depends on the kind of mayonnaise I'm very specific about yes the kind so of mayonnaise. can we talk about that Miracle Whip is not mayonnaise. Uh, no, no. Miracle only, Whip is disgusting and should be a crime. Like, if I was going to buy mayonnaise specifically, the one from Trader Joe's is probably the best one that I've ever had. Like, okay, Trader Joe's has one. a very good quality mayonnaise. Mm. I like it on a burger every now and then, but it's not my number one common. Like, I, it's not a condiment that I think I need to buy. I actually you know don't even mean? think I have mayonnaise in my fridge right now. Well, right. you see my fridge. I literally have, like, white claw and eggs, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> But I don't keep like mayonnaise on hand. But right. with certain things, I'm I like mayonnaise on a sandwich. Yeah, okay. I like it even on a burger. Not all burgers. It's not my burgers. mandatory condiment. Yes, but I would rather have ranch to dip my sandwich in. Yes, agreed. I don't know. Both. Why not? Why Why are we limiting ourselves here? Exactly. But if you like Miracle Whip, you're probably a serial killer. Mm. Or something's wrong with you. Something's Mm. genuinely wrong with you because it's basically like, hey, let's take mayonnaise and add sugar to it. And (laughs) you are unwell. You are disgusting if you like Miracle Whip. That's a problem. Can we also talk about something else that I love? Yes. (laughs) Enchilada sauce. Oh. I could pour that shit on everything. Yeah, remember when you got that huge enchilada sauce? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the Mexican restaurant. Okay, because I can't have enchiladas, love them, but I can't have all the cheese. So what I do is get a taco. And then I dip it or like literally drench it in enchilada sauce. Get your enchilada sauce, you guys, on the side. Put it on everything. It's delicious. My mouth is watering right now thinking about enchilada sauce. I'm so hungry too. I know. Why did we talk about this when I'm know. like literally 
trying to make weight for my competition in three days and I'm starving. That's probably why we went on the tangent. <laughs> but speaking of which, we're going to be cheersing when we are done with your competition. Yes, we are. We're not going to have a hangover. We're not going to have a hangover. Why? Thanks to today, this amazing founder, we cannot wait to get into this with you guys today. Yes. So today we're getting behind the mic with the founder of Dry Farm Wines, Todd White. He's a writer, speaker, entrepreneur, and leader in the organic natural wine movement. Dry Farms Wines is the only natural wine that goes above and beyond industry standards to meet the following criteria. There's zero sugar, it's additive-free, lower alcohol, organic farming. Uh, something I, we learned a lot about, didn't even know, most wines today that are sold are mass-produced, and they include like high levels of sugar, alcohol and 76 fda approved additives which blew my that mind that blew my mind absolutely i wonder i'm like always can't drink red wine mm-hmm. because i didn't know this yeah well and it's probably the, all the hangovers that we're getting now we, we we really get into the science of it today which actually is why we thought today this this episode is so good we we learned because we so love much. science and trust me if you work a 12-hour shift you know you want to go home and have that shower wine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am here for a shower wine moment. I mean, that's like basically standard, okay? But you have to go back to work the next day. Mm-hmm. You want that shower wine without mm-hmm. the hangover. That's yes. why this episode is selfie approved. Absolutely. Instagram. They're just one of the, like, I was so curious to get him behind the mic. Todd really goes into the science behind all of this, into the wines, into the cultivating. And then, of course, you guys stick around to the end. You know that we love to hook our selfie listeners up. So we got you. We got you, boo. So without further ado, you guys, let's dive into the show. Okay, so because I think most people, when they think rosé, they think it's going to be super sweet. But actually, Sam and I are big fans of tart. Like, I love tart moments. I'm not a big fan of sugar. So I'm curious, and you know, you're on this movement. You're on this natural wine movement. Can you speak to this a little bit? What is the natural wine movement? Well, we call it the revolution, right? So it began in central France really about six or seven years ago. Now, natural wine is the way wine was made a thousand years ago. So it's just that what's happened really in the 20th century beginning in the 1920s that started to interrupt sort of, it began with farming, first of all. So farming began to see the use of chemicals in the 1920s. And then that sort of escalated over the decades. And now most all farming in the world is is industrial or chemical based. But prior to that, all wines were grown and made naturally. And we'll talk about what that means. So a natural wine, is very rare. Uh, less than one-tenth of one percent of all the wines in the world are natural. Dry Farm Wines, my company, is the largest buyer and seller of natural wines in the world. And we became this sort of large buyer and seller of natural wines because we're focused on the health aspect. Love that. So we're focused on making wines healthier. And natural wines are healthier than commercial wines and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that but we focused you know on really the foundations of what makes a wine healthy or unhealthy and turns out you know so your doctor or your friends are like oh if you want to be healthy drink red wine red Mm -hmm. wine yeah red wine is 
most commonly. It's good for your heart, right? Me. Or, you know, that's like yeah, the, yeah, the narrative exactly. is, oh, it's good for, you know, one glass a night, whatever. It's good for everything. So, so anyway, so that in red is, is specified more commonly than white because it's higher in polyphenols. But then nobody really had thought about what they were really drinking. They're just like, oh, I'm drinking wine, so it must be good for me. Well, it turns out that that's not true. And that problem has gotten worse in the last 30 or 40 years, and particularly in the last 20 years, it's really gotten bad. And the reason for that is because of the corporate consolidation fueled by Wall Street money of the wine business. And so now most wines are made in factories and from industrial farm, toxic farming, and, and then additives. What your audience doesn't know, what I didn't know, what virtually no one knew was that there are 76 additives approved by the FDA. <sighs> I literally had no idea. <laughs> Crazy. No, not, none of us do. I, I'm just like, oh, wine, grapes. Done. Yeah, grapes. Yeah. <laughs> Put grapes in barrel, done. That's my understanding of wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what we call the dirty, dark secret of the wine business, mm. right? Are these 76 additives. Now, everything I'm going to tell you about natural wine and commercial wine, all the facts and figures I'm going to share with you today are easily verifiable with a Google search, like if you were to Google FDA approved wine additives, you'll see 76 of them. A few of them are natural. Some are quite toxic and some we don't know anything about, mm -hmm. right? But there are a whole long list of things that you can't pronounce like dimethyl dicarbonate and uh, ammonia phosphate and uh, yeah. copper sulfate right. and just all these things that you have no idea what mm -hmm. they are. Same thing when you pick up anything that's packaged or bottled Right, you have the advantage of seeing the contents label, and as you know, the rectangular label, it's usually filled with a whole bunch of things you can't pronounce, have no idea what they are. I don't eat or drink those things. You probably don't either. <laughs> Occasionally, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what they look like, but here's the problem with wine. See, the wine industry spent millions of dollars in lobby money in Washington, D.C., to keep contents labeling off of wine. I was bottles. just going to ask that. Like, okay, when you go to alcohol, period, there are no labels on, like, and I remember you asking, like, what's in a, a White Claw even? And it it doesn't even say, like, malt liquor. Like, there's no labels on alcohol, liquor. It says alcohol, but I'm always like, what does that mean? What is alcohol? Right. Like, <laughs> what does that even mean? And there are no labels. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, why aren't there labels on our alcohol? Yeah, why, because the alcohol industry doesn't want them because they don't want you to know. Dirty secrets. Here we go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's not, it, it's not difficult to understand. It's called money and greed and making things cheaper and faster and easier, not healthier, better, or uh, thinking about you. It's thinking about how can we generate more profit. The American way. <laughs> the American way. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we, the, the path to profits are, you know, taking shortcuts, right? Industrial farming, additives, mm -hmm. chemical adjustments, color agents, like, like, uh, right. Making it look uh, prettier whole, than it actually may be represented. Well, you know, like red wine is an example. I mean, there's, there's this commonly held myth around the world, but particularly ingrained in Americans that they believe that the darker red a red wine is, the better quality it is. Now there's no truth right. to that, of course. Interesting. But as a result of that, color agents are used to make wine very dark, oh. right? And so, however, me, I'm just worried about my teeth getting I was stained. Say your teeth staining. I'm like, I'm more of a white wine gal. Well, the teeth staining is usually coming from color agents because red wine, real red wine, 
natural wine does not stain your teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Myth when busting you, right and left. Here we go. Yeah. When you, you drink our red wines, you would never have your teeth stained because there's no color agents. And that, that, they can, teeth staining can come from extreme extractions as well, which is, again, another technique to, to get extract color from the wine, right? Extreme extractions. And when we talk about color, we're talking about red wines and how wine is made. White wine is made by pressing free-run juice from the grapes. It runs off into a tank and you make wine from it. Red wine gets its color from contact with the skin. So if you squeeze the grape juice from a white wine grape or a red wine grape, they're both clear. So when you press the juice from a red wine grape, it goes into a tank and then you take the skins and seeds and stems that press the juice out and you throw those in the tank. And then they macerate the, 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 the juice and the skins and you keep it stirred up so it keeps refreshing. That's how it gets its color. And extractions are when you leave the, when you leave the grape skins in the juice for an extended period of time, you get higher biogenetic amines like histamine and tyramine, which is why women are oftentimes very sensitive to red wine but not yeah that's interesting because i was gonna say like a hangovers or brain fog or you know that kind of thing i feel like that's very a lot of women i feel like tend to i don't do that well with red wine women also have minor kind of allergic reactions to these to i do i can't really drink red wine yeah they get splotchy they can get hot they can get um have tension right in the frontal lobe these are generally adverse reactions, not to sulfites, which is commonly thought, but that's oh. not true. Actually, sulfites. I figured that's what it was. Actually, sulf- <laughs> Yeah, no, oh. it's not. Sulfites are actually higher in white oh. wine than they are red Ooh. wine. <laughs> I'm like learning all these <laughs> things. We're myth busting here. But I do, like, I usually get like rash if I drink a lot of red wine. Right, right. That's because it's been over extracted generally, mm. and these biogenetic amines are not favorable. It's. The majority, it seems that the majority of women have this, some don't, but it seems like the majority of women have this challenge with red wine. And so when we're, we're also the official wine for most every health and performance event. And so, you know, we hear all the time women will come up to us and say, oh, I can't drink red wine. I love red wine. I can't drink it. I'm so you can drink this red wine. And um, and so drink it and then come back by. Yes, I do love some market research. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Will report back yes, now that there's yes. some upstairs. Let's talk about what is natural yeah. wine. Because yes, can you break that down for us? Using, I'm gonna just unpack this thing. It's gonna be a bit confusing. Break it down. Yes. So when I tell people that I drink natural wine, they're like, "Oh, aren't all wines right. natural?" And I'm like, that's no, the assumption. They're, yeah. They're not for reasons that I have described to you mm-hmm. already. It's further compounded this confusion by the fact that there presently, there's no international certification for natural wine, right? France is going to, has introduced, and in 2022 will be the first country to certify natural wines. That being said, two things to that point. One, there is an international understanding by everybody what natural wine means. And I'll describe that to you in a moment. There are three pillars. And then number two, Dry Farm Wines, my company, does have a certification. Now, our certification standards, our seal, is much higher than just natural wine because we're 
health evangelists, enthusiasts, and we care more about than just natural wine. And so we'll talk about what that means in a moment. But first of all, the international standard for natural wine is that it is always biodynamic or organically grown. And biodynamic farming, invented in 1925 by Rudolf Steiner, uh, is an prescriptive advanced form of organic farming. And one of its most common pillars is that uh, biodynamic farming farms in accordance with lunar cycles, so with the moon and the tides. Wow. There are a number of other prescriptions for it, but that's kind of the cornerstone of it. And then organic farming, as you know, is farming free of chemicals, pesticides, herbicides. So all natural wine is always organic or biodynamic. Let me stop there. Not all organic wines are natural, but all natural wines are organic. Got it. Interesting. So if you go on Whole Foods or you see an organic wine, that doesn't mean it's natural. Okay. That just means it's been farmed organically. Okay. But right? there still could be additives in it. It could be additives in there, very likely. Uh, even if it's biodynamic, there's a large biodynamic wine company uh, here in California that is not natural, but is well known to be biodynamic. Mm, interesting. Mm. The problem is you can't make natural wine in very large quantities. So anybody who's large enough to supply someone like Whole Foods is not making natural wine usually because they can't make it in large enough volume. Uh. So uh, because to, to you have to use additives and chemicals and commercial GMO yeast in order to make wine in large quantities. So the first pillar of natural wine, organic or biodynamic. Second, it's natural wines are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast. That's a big mouthful. What does that mean? Well, commercial wines are fermented with GMO lab cultured yeast. But what are the difference? What's that mean? Well, native yeast or wild yeast is found on the skin of every grape berry in the world at the time of harvest. It's like a wax, white waxy film on the skin of the grape. But the problem with the, the wild native yeast, which collects in the air naturally through the, through the vineyard, and every grape has it. Uh, and, and in fact, well, let's just take winemaking 101 for a second. So how you make wine is that you inoculate the sugary juice with yeast and then at the proper temperature, the yeast will activate and the yeast eat the sugar as their food source. The byproduct of that is ethyl alcohol. That's how you get alcohol in wine and carbon dioxide. The rest of wine is just water, right? And so, and polyphenols and some compounds, but more or less wine consists of ethyl alcohol and water. So the Natural wines are always fermented with the wild native yeast that's already present. In fact, if you just, if you harvest, if you cut off a cluster of grapes from any vineyard and you throw it into a bucket and the grape skins break and, and, it's, and it's, it's ripe, you'll begin an, a, an instantaneous fermentation there. It'll start fermenting. You won't have much of very good wine, but, but yeast and sugar will activate and it'll start fermenting. You don't have to do anything. Kind of how it. they make alcohol in like that's prison. <laughs> Right, right. Watch a lot of lockups in SNBC. That's what they do in jail. You can make prison wine. Uh, you can you can make alcohol out of anything that contains yeast. That's and sugar. so interesting. Honey, yeah. fruit, 
Um, and so uh, if it contains any sugar and yeast, it'll, 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 it will make alcohol. So anyway, the, the GMO, these, these yeasts that are lab-grown are modified, genetically modified to withstand a higher alcohol environment there. Uh, they are modified to have certain flavor profiles. See, so yeast has flavor profiles, and you will know this from, you, you'll, you'll know this from like sourdough, right? So people who bake their own sourdough mm-hmm. bread, you know, they have their mother, it has this complex flavor, right? That's the yeast. Well, when you make wine, you have the same thing. So the quality of the yeast impacts the flavor profile. And also you can get these yeast modified to have different flavor profiles. So if you make a, if you have a, you know, an industrial farm grape in central California, you want it to taste like it's from the Mediterranean and in Italy, they have a yeast for that. So these yeasts have flavor profiles that are also modified to withstand high alcohol environments. This is one of the things that's been happening in wine over the last 30 years, alcohol levels have been rising. So natural wine is also number three, it's additive free. Right. And so it doesn't contain any of these toxic additives and industrial chemicals that are used commonly in factories to make wine. So let's get back to alcohol for a second, because this is a really, really important one for me. So we believe, and it surprises people to hear me say this, because they're like, oh, the wine guy is here to sell wine. I'm like, no, I'm really here to educate you. You can decide if you want to drink wine or not. You can decide if alcohol is right or wrong for you. But it surprises people to hear me say the following. Alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin, and it ruins millions of lives a year. And some people just shouldn't drink at all. Facts. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and for those of us who do drink, all I'm suggesting is that we think about a more conscious and mindful way of drinking, right? Drinking something that's natural, additive-free, and lower alcohol. And so we don't sell anything over 12.5%. Alcohol levels have been rising in wine steadily for the last... Uh, 30 years because the alcohol industry, the wine industry likes alcohol. You ask, why do they think that it's such a, well, alcohol adds density and boldness to wine. And importantly, from a business perspective, alcohol is a domino drug. And you probably had this experience. What that means is that like cocaine, a domino drug is the more you do it, the more you want to do more of it. Right. And so the more you drink, the more likely you are to drink more. So the higher the alcohol that takes you down that slippery slope, then the more wine you're likely to consume. So alcohol is a problem because alcohol is dangerous. And alcohol also leads to hydration, also leads to interrupted sleep patterns and hangovers and brain fog and so on and so forth. So if you just lower, even if you weren't drinking natural wine, if you just lower down the alcohol level in any beverage you're consuming, you're going to feel better, right? Now, you're going to feel completely better drinking a natural product, not a factory product, because you're not going to have any other chemicals and or sugar in our case. So we lab test, Dry Farm Wines lab test every single wine to ensure that it's sugar-free. The other thing that's not contained on your wine label is nutritional information. So I don't want to drink sugar, right? I'm ketogenic. I'm like a health and wellness enthusiast. I've been keto for six years. I live largely, not entirely, but largely a sugar-free life. And so what Dry Farm Wines did was we said, hey, what are the seal, what are the certifications in our seal that are important to us? Lower alcohol. So we sell wines from 6% to 
to 12 and a half percent, nothing over 12 and a half. Standard American wine is now at 15, 15 and a half percent usually. All, almost always over 14. And that sound like much of a difference, but it's a huge difference. Most of the wines I drink are between seven and 11 percent. And um, so lower alcohol, organic or biodynamic farming, they're natural wines, irrigation free, not, we don't allow the use of irrigation on any of our wines. That's really important for a whole bunch of reasons. We could crawl down an irrigation wormhole, but it's not good for the planet. It's not good for the vine. It's not good for the quality of the fruit. And so irrigation leads to a whole bunch of problems. We don't allow irrigation. We lab test for sulfites, so we do not allow over 70 parts per million. All wines and all fermented foods and many other foods contain naturally occurring sulfites. The question is, has it been sterilized with sulfur dioxide? So is, has it had an additive put in it to further sterilize it? So we measure for that. Um, <clears throat> we also um, don't allow any sugar in our wine. Now, I'll tell you how common sugar is in wine. And just because a wine, you don't, don't taste sugar doesn't mean it's not there. Because wine is acidic, it has acid in it. And so it has to be quite sweet to before you start to taste the sugar, right? It's just like a, you know, a soda, 32 grams of sugar in it, but you, it doesn't taste that sweet because the ascorbic acid is so high. Same thing when you make lemonade, you got to add a lot of sugar before it starts to taste sweet, right? So wine has an underlying acid in it that you can't, even as taste masters, we can't taste the sugar. The only way we know if it contains sugar is to lab test it. So we, just to give you an idea how common it is to have sugar beyond any tolerance level we will allow. Um, we lab tested last year, we lab tested the top 20 best-selling wines in the United States. Easy enough to find out from a Google search from industry sources. Of the 20 wines that we lab tested for sugar, only two of them met our criteria for sugar. Were they, were those U.S.-based wines? I'm just curious. Or were those, okay. Yes. Well, n n not all okay. of them. One of them was from Australia, okay. which just has a little animal yeah. on it. You probably <laughs> First of all, they're at least three well-known. Um, the most famous one is probably Frog Sleep in the Napa Valley. Is it dry farmed? Uh, there are three others that just in Napa, where I live. I live in Napa. There are three growers and frog sleep is the most predominant one, the largest one who is hundred percent dry. Um, now we don't drink or sell their wines are not natural. In fact, we don't sell any domestic wine or drink any domestic wine because the wines, there's no domestic wines that meet all of our criteria. But that being said, there are wines in California that are dry farm. Frog sleep is probably the most predominant example. Um, and the largest dry farmer here. And so here's why we irrigate. It's cheaper, it's easier, it results in higher fruit yield. That means the cluster is bigger, right? It also, when you irrigate, it gives you the mechanism to feed the plant liquid nitrogen or fertilizer, right? So that's how they get their food. Um, so I'm going to give you a whole bunch of reasons why irrigation is a problem. And in addition to the fact that it that is bad for the planet. We're in a drought in California. There's a shortage of water worldwide, right? And so irrigation is just generally a bad idea for what, from a water perspective. But 
there's a whole, there's a number of other, most of these are common sense things. It doesn't take, uh, it doesn't take a scientist or a sophisticated farmer to educate you about this. It's just common sense. The reason we irrigate is because it's more profitable. It's easier, has bigger yield, and most importantly, from a profit point of view, fruit weighs more. Now, common sense will tell you when you irrigate a grapevine, you fill that fruit full of water, it weighs more. Fruit sold by the ton. By more, weight. Weighs more yeah, it's sold by weight. Right. Correct. Here's what happens. An irrigated grapevine has a root span that's about three feet in diameter and about three feet deep. Now, the reason for that is because it gets all of its water and nutrients from this little tube just above the trunk. And so it's very lazy. It doesn't have to search for water or nutrient. Lazy fruit has less character. It's just a lower quality fruit. Now, everybody agrees on this. This is between natural and conventional people. Nobody, nobody would disagree with this. Struggle, when the vine struggles, it creates a higher quality fruit. That's one of the reasons they plant grapevines close together. So they compete with one another. They struggle, right? So when an unirrigated grapevine at maturity can have root spans that can be 30 or 40 feet deep. And so these tiny hair-like capillaries are searching and climbing through the, the minerals and soil, looking for particles of nutrient and moisture. So they'll break apart these little pieces of stone looking for moisture. There's moisture in the stones, right? That's been, that's been captured there. So this struggle and this relationship with, with minerals creates a much more complex fruit. And so that's the reason irrigation is just... That's so interesting. And, I'm, I'm really fascinated by that because even the idea of, you know, our, the fruit that, you know, is grown now is, you know, our soil. We talk a lot about the soil and how much it's changing. And I think it's so interesting that you bring that up because I've never thought of it that way of it's important for... Soil health is the number one indicator of quality agriculture, mm-hmm. right? So soil health, the, the regeneration of soil and the preservation of living soil is the foundation of quality agriculture, right? And we started interrupting that in the 1920s when, you know, we used to all farms prior to the advent of chemical farming and, and, and monoagriculture, all farms were polyagricultural. So they had livestock and they had bees and they had orchards and, and they had a biodiverse environment that was balanced. See, nature for a couple of billion years has figured out how to live in balance. Humans, we started interrupting that balance, including irrigation, right? We, we started interrupting mother nature's logic so she had all that figured out how to have. And so, and farms were before chemicals, farms were dependent on this biodiversity and this balance in nature in order to grow and, and thrive. Then what we did was we came in with chemicals and we, we merged away from polyagricultural poly practices where we have a biodiverse farm with a whole bunch of things going on the farm that are all in balance. And we went to a mono agriculture which is now we're going to grow all corn or all wheat. Uh, we're going to get rid of all the balances and we're going to use chemicals. And now we have, <clears throat> and now we've taken that a step further in that 
we've genetically modified wheat and corn as an example to be immune to glyphosate so that Roundup, and which is the commercial brand, but chemicals, glyphosate, glyphosate can be sprayed generously on these crops and the crops have been genetically modified not to be affected by the glyphosate. So this is how glyphosate is getting so much in our food, right? So we've actually modified the crops genetically not to be affected by it. And many crops have been genetically modified in order to use this weed killer that makes farming cheaper, right? And faster and easier. So that's kind of where it all started. And then, then, you know, there was back to the natural wine revolution. There were, you know, a group of growers in central France that really started thinking about, Hey, you know, we want to turn the clock back to a natural way of life. And these people are not business people, natural wine farmers. They don't, there's, you can't make wine in big enough volumes to make any real money doing it. Right. So, <clears throat> These are people who live and subscribe to a, a way of life, right? These are people, they're kind of activist hippies, you know, who, who are just farmers. You know, they, as we like to say, natural wines are grown, not made. Because once you harvest a grape berry, everything you need to make natural wine is already present. You don't have to add anything to it. You've got yeast and you've got grapefruit and you've got sugar and juice. That's all you need to make wine. The rest of the process is just avoiding the pitfalls of um, avoiding the pitfalls of winemaking errors, and meaning making faulted wine. That's what you use chemicals for. You use chemicals to control the faults in wine. When you're a natural winemaker and you don't use chemicals, then you have to pay a lot more attention to the process and you can't, again, make wine in large volumes without the use of these chemicals. So that's, you know, so this movement began. Now there are probably, you know, there's a couple of hundred thousand wine producers in the world and there's about 1,700 natural wine growers in the world. So it's a really, really tiny, tiny, tiny fragment of the of the wine business. And it's so small, we even have a hard time getting enough wine that meets all of our criteria in order to satisfy the demand that people, because when you drink our wine, you feel better. Right. You it tastes Definitely better. did not have any issues this morning. <laughs> Skipped the hangover. Right. Yeah, you were drinking it last night. Mm-hmm. It was great. When it tastes and you feel better, then you know that something is different. Um, and so, you know, so people, people who care about what they put in their body should care about drinking natural wine, whether they get it from us or not. Yeah. Let me talk about one common question that comes up because people's like, oh, what, how would you find natural wine if you didn't buy it from dry farm wines? And that's a tricky question because it's so hard to find. If you live in a major market, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, you're going to find in different markets, you'll find that there are natural wine retailers and some restaurants that might specialize in only pouring natural wines. It's, it's very common now if you find a, like a really high quality farm to table restaurant, they also pour natural wine because that's in alongside the same ethos as their other organic growing practices of the kind of food that they want to serve. So I'm actually really curious about this because you you've created this amazing company and, you know, you've spoken to like this amazing kind of 
I feel like revolution that's going on. How did you even get into this? Like, where did this all start? Like, how did you, what's your background in this? Like, were you a winemaker previously? Tell us a little bit about that. But before we do that, can I just say one, I am finally about to get off this day shift, night shift, flip flop. But the only way I have survived that is through those beam sleep capsules that you gave me. All right, girl, aren't they so good? Okay. My sleep schedule, like everyone knows it's messed up because I am doing day shift. I'm doing night shift. I don't know when to sleep. My body doesn't know what's going on. And I actually have a worse time, not from night shift, but from doing day shift and having when I start at 6 a.m., I cannot fall asleep. Yeah, I know. And I've historically struggled with falling asleep anyways, which is why I was always did fairly well on night shift. But the only way is before I started that, Tori gave me these beams. So you drink the liquid powder. Yes, the Beam Dream powder. The Beam Dream. Yep. I take the Beam Dream capsules Capsule. because mm-hmm. I'm just not a very drinky type of person. Totally. And I like the convenience of just swallowing I like the that capsule. they have both options. Yes, and I think that's great because I do believe that the powder that you drink works, works a little fast. faster. Totally. I'm cool with that. I love that there's a capsule option. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that has been a game changer. So we're really excited about this, you guys. So we're talking Beam. They create the highest quality functional supplements for better balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. They have been featured in Forbes, Maxim, Real Simple, and supported by athletes, CrossFitters, golfers, Olympic athletes, and the like. So I introduced this to Sam a couple months ago. And my favorite thing is their Beam Dream Powder. It is amazing. So it's basically this powder. It's a bedtime blend of sleep-enhancing vitamins, minerals, nano-CBD, and you mix it in either warm milk, like even coconut milk or water. And it tastes like this most amazing warm hot chocolate that you drink about 30 minutes before you go to sleep. I swear by 20 minutes in, I am ready to hit the pillow. I am ready to go to sleep. It is so fabulous. It tastes wonderful. We are so excited to be partnering with them. And guess what? Of course, we have a code for you guys. If you head over to beamtlc.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E 15, you're going to get 15% off of your order. That's beamtlc.com. Use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E 15. You're going to get 15% off your order. As someone who does shift work, you got to get your sleep in check. And on top of that, if you're trying to get into shift work or trying to change up your job, your resume better be on point. We've talked about it before, but we can't say it enough. Having your resume aesthetic be on point is pivotal into landing that interview. Absolutely. You need to stand out in your job search. So many nursing professionals know this. We understand it, but it's so hard to find those resources that are actually helpful. So if you guys head over to click the link in our bio, we have an awesome deal for you. 20% off of these online courses, templates, and resources for nurses and nurse practitioners. Fill in the blank solutions for your resume and cover letter, you guys. It's so easy to stand out and land that dream job. Make sure you guys check out the link in the bio. That is the most amazing resource for you. 20% off. You guys go get it now. No, I've been a biohacker. So I've been, you know, sort of extreme fitness, health and wellness for. So are you a Ben Greenfield kind of guy? Yes. I've been on Ben's podcast a couple of times. No way. Oh, my husband and I subscribe to Ben like crazy. We love, we love the Ben Greenfield way. Ben's been Ben's been out here to see us. He's meditated with us. Like at my company, we meditate for an hour together every morning. Ben's been oh, here. Awesome. I just talked to Ben last week. Um, so 
Yeah, Ben's a little bit more experienced. Yeah, he's than I am, he's but. beyond. Like, there's no way anybody can keep. Up. I we cannot keep up with him. But you know, we can learn. You know. So I was a biohacker, and about six years ago, I started experimenting with what I call a therapeutic ketogenic diet. Um, and I was therapeutically ketogenic for a couple of years. Uh, now uh, I'm in what I'd call a modified ketogenic diet, which is very similar to Atkins. Sam and, did keto uh, for is, a few a years, a couple of years. couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I started, I only eat once per day. I've been eating one oh, meal per day for about four and a half mm-hmm. years. And so, you know, I kind of, but in this process of becoming therapeutically ketogenic, um, which is doing regular blood testing, just all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and it really worked well for me. And I, and, and it's just the problem with a therapeutic ketogenic diet, which is super strict, it's just not very interesting over time. So you just <laughs> kind of lose interest. It's a very pretty narrow eating choices. And, uh, but anyway, about that same time, I noticed that I wasn't processing wine well. And it's pretty common for people who experiment with ketogenic diet that they also have an aversion to alcohol. So I thought it was just the alcohol. And so I quit drinking for a while. That was not so much fun. <laughs> and uh, in, in a period I call suffering through sobriety. <laughs> so I was like, there's got to be a better way. So, and I really thought it was the alcohol. I didn't know about all the additives at the time. Nobody knew. I mean, just nobody knows about it. So I'm in Mexico on vacation, actually with the president of Frog's Leap, the dry farm Napa wine here. It's like one of the smartest people I know in the wine business. And I was like, look, this drinking thing is not working. I've got to, you know, I've had a lifelong love affair with wine. I had stopped drinking spirits for many years before that. I haven't drank spirits and probably 25 years right and so i had only been drinking wine but you know some some international wine some some domestic wine but living in the heart of napa valley and so i i said look i've got to change my relationship with wine because it's not working for me so i think i'm going to make a low alcohol wine and so how low can i make wine and still have it taste like wine because i wanted the lowest possible percentage that there was. And turns out, um, he says, Oh, about 9%, which we've actually now done it lower than that, much lower. But, but he said, have you drank any of the low alcohol wines coming out of Europe? And I was like, never heard of it. So it was through that when I went to the market and I started experimenting with just turning alcohol bottles around and trying to find lower alcohol, I accidentally completely accidentally stumbled upon the natural wine revolution actually through an American who was living in Paris. And and so it was like, I was not thinking of dry farm wines as a business. I wasn't working at the time. I did need a job, but, but um, I wasn't thinking of it as a business. I was just trying to find a healthier way to drink. Right. And so then I stumbled upon natural wine. And then from there, I started to get educated from other natural wine growers on kind of like what all the problems were with, with commercial wines. And then I started researching. I learned about the FDA additives that nobody knows about and so on and so forth. So then we started doing lab testing and kind of quantifying, bringing a quantification between taste and what we believed were health, right? 
And so that's sort of, and then we developed this kind of formula for testing wines and then certain taste profiles. Like we prefer a certain taste profile. We don't buy wines that taste like this. We buy wines that taste like that. Right. And so, you know, that, and then it just, what happened next was that we called Dave Asprey of Bulletproof Coffee. Right. And said, and he had at that time and, He's restarted it now, but he had something called the Bulletproof Conference, which was like a biohacking conference. Dave Asprey had sort of led the, sort of had led the, not so much anymore, but at the time he was sort of the the person who kind of invented the modern biohacking movement. And so, um, so we became the official wine, the first alcohol that had ever been served at the Bulletproof Conference. We became the official wine of Bulletproof. And I was on his podcast and Bulletproof Radio and then Mark Sisson. And I love ben Mark Greenfield Sisson. And Rob oh, Wolf. I don't even know him. And Mark oh, Sisson's a great guy. His books are really good. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Mark is awesome. He's like been a great friend over the years now. But was originally, I met him at the Bulletproof Conference in Pasadena and then he invited me to his home. I did a wine. He's a big wine drinker. I did, you know, wine tasting for him. And then he became a huge advocate and, you know, put us in a whole bunch of books and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And was a guest on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And then Rob I Wolf love Rob Wolf, too. Those are my JJ <laughs> Virgin. Do you all know JJ? Do you know JJ Virgin? That, him I don't know. But I've always been, I've been a big she, Rob Wolf fan for a long time, too, when I first got into, like, even just paleo and stuff like that. Yeah, Rob's got a great new product out called LMT, which is a... Um, which is a salt and um, uh, potassium supplement comes in a little package. Just put it in water. And when I do extended fasting, so I do three to five day extended water fast about once a month. And uh, and so it's a supplement I use during water fasting for your skin looks really good. So I'm gonna say everything is for sixty. You, you look think? amazing. Oh nice. my goodness! Nice. I'm here for this. We need Pretty to get sure on all that. these hats. Six zero. <laughs> 60 and a half. I wouldn't okay. have that. Yeah, own that half. It's all the natural wine. Yeah. So bottle of natural wine. We, we could do that. We can make that happen. For sure. So we can replace our Botox with natural wine. Yeah, there <laughs> nice. Nice. No, it's fabulous. Um, so I'm curious about, I think maybe the sugar-free aspect of this, because I think sugar is where we get hooked. How do you do sugar-free wine? How is this physically? Well, that's a, it's one of the most common questions that we get. And it's really quite a simple answer. So here's how sugar gets in wine. It's not added to wine. Sugar gets in wine as a finished product because the winemaker breaks the fermentation. What's that mean? Okay, so when you make wine, remember, you squeeze the juice off out of the grapes and then you have this really very sweet liquid. Then you inoculate it with, with either a commercial yeast or you have what's called a spontaneous fermentation because the native yeast is already in the juice. It just has to rise to a temperature that activates the yeast. If it's too cold, it won't activate. If it's too hot, it, it will die. Right? So you just have to get it, just has to activate. Once the yeast activates, it's just like if you were making bread, right? You put yeast in the water and then you put it in the corner or you put it above the oven, you put a warm towel over it, whatever, and then it starts to bubble. That's the yeast activating. Same thing happens in wine. So the yeast activates and it starts eating the sugar. 
and it's actually quite foamy, right? Because there's a lot of activity in the wine. So it's, it has this kind of foam that comes up to the surface. And so the yeast eats the sugar. That's the food source for the yeast. Now, if the wine is allowed to fully ferment, that means that the yeast eats all of the available sugar. Then the yeast will die because it doesn't have any more food source. That's called a fully fermented wine, and that wine will be sugar-free because the yeast ate all the sugar. What's happening in commercial wines in order to get sugar in the wine is that the winemaker uses sulfur dioxide to kill the yeast prior to it completing fermentation. So there's this little device, it's quite simple, this little glass device that hangs in the wine tank during fermentation. And it will tell you exactly how much sugar is left in the wine. So you can see how close it is to becoming fully fermented. However, if you wanna kill the yeast using a chemical to kill the yeast and leave residual sugar known as RS in the industry, you dump in this chemical that kills the yeast and breaks the fermentation. Mm before it completes interesting leaving residual sugar in that's how sugar gets ah. in wine and so and and by allowing the wine to fully ferment now winemakers kill the fermentation to leave residual sugar in wine because sugar creates mouthfeel right. sugar creates finish uh, sugar creates weight in the wine right sugar creates um, just and and Glycerol and other sugar byproducts create, you know, mouthfeel and finish that even if it doesn't taste sweet, but it still contains more sugar than I want to drink. Right. And so and also I prefer the winemaking style of a sugar-free wine because it's just fresher light. Yeah, it is. It's right? very, yeah. I would say, refreshing. That was the first thing yeah, that, that you was said. The first thing I it's said. very yeah. refreshing. See, sugar is heavy. And if sugar adds mouthfeel and finish. I don't want Same. that. I want my wine to be light yes, and refreshing yeah. all of my food. That was literally the first thing that Sam said when we were trying it. And I was just like, this just, it, I love that kind of profile where it's just light, and especially, I don't know, especially during summer. But the rosé was really well, even good. even to eat with. Like, I'm, I've am i never just been a big drinker because it's right. really hard to, like, drink alcohol and eat food. I just she's like along food. your lines, I would yeah. say, Todd. Like, she's definitely – you're, like, on the keto. I would say you have never liked sugar. Her cold brew is, like, straight every day. Just wow. there's nothing in it. <laughs> so I think maybe that's a great question for you. Who do you feel like is your ideal client? Like, your ideal customer. Who's the person coming to you and – who do you think should be buying dry farm wines? Well, I mean, most of our audience are women. And um, most of our customers, this is certainly not true of everybody. I mean, we have a lot of customers. I mean, they come from all different walks of life. Some of them are just wine lovers who love the way our wine tastes, right? Uh, but generally speaking, most of our customers when we profile them and we talk to them, most of our customers are people who really care about what they put in their body, right? And they really care about having an outcome that supports their belief system, right? And so, and that belief system can be quite varied, but some are just, you know, some are interested in the environment, you know, that, and our wines are, environmentally free they're irrigation free they're 
you know, they don't use chemicals. They're friendly to the earth. They support regenerative soil and organic farming. Some people care about that. Some people just care about feeling better, right? Some people care about the toxicity they're not experiencing. A lot of people care about lower alcohol. Uh, I mean, we've been leaders in this movement. We were talking about lower alcohol long before White Claw or any other, other no-low products came on the market, right? And look, people were generally, uh, our customers are generally interested in lower alcohol. You know, they, they like the taste of wine. They like the community of wine. They like the spirituality of wine. They just don't want all the toxins with it, right? So that's sort of a, you know, sampling of kind of some of the things I think that matter to people. But all those things matter to us. I mean, our, our irrigation farming, irrigation-free farming in for the 800 farms we work with saves 16 billion gallons of water a year, right? And so... It's, you know, and then these 800 farms are 100% organic, right? Or biodynamic, which is an advanced form of organic farming. These are people who care about, you know, when you see families and, and you ask, well, why natural wine? Why this way of life? It's like for my children. It's like for, you know, it's for, it's for the next generation. It's for you living this way of life. They, these people don't really think of it they're not, they're not people who think in scale. So they're not thinking of it as kind of saving the planet kind of thing. They're thinking of it as a way of life, like how they live. You know, and for us, we have this, as I mentioned, my company, you know, we meditate for an hour together every day. We, uh, we're super, super focused on uh, longevity and wellness and, and health and our belief system, right? And so we live this lifestyle that, you know, is in line with our values and, you know, and, and why we only sell very, very specific types of wine is that, you know, we want to make sure that every wine that we represent and that we curate and that we recommend fits with our lifestyle and our commitment to integrity and farming and just also living this way of life, which we believe is higher consciousness, more mindful. And there's nothing, I don't, I, commercial products just don't support my view of the world. I think we're in a big movement with this generation of really tapping into companies like what you have made, honestly. I think that we're in this movement where people are very invested in where sourcing, um, sustainability, I think we're really going in that way and health and really understanding where where our food come from where our food comes from and how we can do better in this generation. I think a lot of people are very invested in this, which is why we were really interested in having you on today because I think your company is a huge step in the right direction for us long term. We've proven that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to participate in you don't have to participate in this sort of um, environment of, you know, business, everything to, to be successful. You know, you, you can be successful and maintain a core set of values that is reflective of your way of view of the life, your view of the world. I mean, we, we view the world through a certain lens and we've created a business that supports that lens. Right. And, and allows us to live peacefully and allows us to, to support farmers and to support ourselves and, to support and, and provide 
you know, beautiful wine for people who care about the same things we care about. We were in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. You know, we've been featured in Oprah, Martha Stewart, Living, Bloomberg, Forbes. I mean, over 200 mainstream press outlets. And, you know, we've gotten a tremendous amount of attention uh, because of what we're doing and because of our kind of company practices. A lot of people profile us just on our our consciousness practices and how we view the world that gets profiled um, as well as the wine. So, you know, there, there are, we've just, it started with podcasts. Yeah, and, I think that's and, huge. And influencers. Yeah. That's kind of where it started, but now it's just sort of all over. Um, you know, our, we had 271 million social impressions wow. last year. Yeah, that's amazing. So, that's so good. Yeah, we're, I mean, I've seen yeah, you, so, you know, so on it's, Instagram. I feel like Instagram, you guys are, tar- it's, you know, and a lot of people that I follow uh, have been drinking farm, dry farm wines. And I got really interested in, in your company, which is why we're, you know, and as I said, I think what you're doing, it's very on with what's going on now. I think people are just very interested, which is why for us, even in healthcare, like understanding even things like this. I mean, well, I, think I that's wanna, why it's good to bring it here to our healthcare community because we have, you know, well, we're nurses, but we primarily, our listeners are a lot of people that work in the healthcare field. And so I think talking about this in our space is big because we love to get off a shift and enjoy a glass of wine. Absolutely. (laughs) But sure. Yeah. Getting to actually just be more educated on this, I think in our field is super important. Absolutely. I drink every day unless I'm doing extended day water fast. Uh, I mean, I drink wine every day. I don't drink during the daytime. I right. Um, hey. I drink at night when I, <laughs> when I eat. And Some of our uh, shift workers yeah, will do so, it when they get off, you know, in the morning. Like if you're a night shifter, you know, have a little glass of rosé when you get off. Why not? You know? Nice, nice, nice. But so, so yeah, so I, I just think, you know, for me, it's a part of a healthy lifestyle. I also love wine. I like drinking. I love the experience of wine and food. I love the experience of community and wine. I mean, wine is a really, <clears throat> natural wines are very special. They're, they have a, they're still alive. Dr. David Perlmutter has written about this. He's a New York Times bestselling author on the, the connection between the brain and the gut microbiome. And I mean, he's written several times about our, about our wines because since they haven't been sterilized with sulfur dioxide or what we call mummified, right? They haven't been killed. They're still living and they taste alive. And they're a reflection of the farm where the fruit was grown, where the wine was grown. So it's, it's a reflection of that place and of that farmer and his connection to the spirit of nature and the connected source universal energy that is nature. So when you are drinking a pure wine that's still alive and hasn't been, hasn't been mixed with, you know, industrial chemicals and additives and it's still living it's fresh uh, as you mentioned earlier i mean our wines taste yeah fresh, they do mm-hmm. right? very fresh because they're because they're real they're they're a, they're a real thing that is still living right it still has living bacteria in it the commercial wines do not because they've been sterilized with sulfur dioxide to get out of any bottle to bottle variation to sterilization creates what we call McDonaldize the wine, right? Every single bottle tastes exactly the same, so on and so forth, year over year, bottle over bottle, meant to sit on the shelf for long periods of time. This is done with a a preservative and sterilizer called sulfur dioxide. So 
you know, our wines are not like that, right? They're living, dynamic, they're fresh. They're very dynamic. They're dynamic. Yeah. They taste. Yeah. They taste in a way like they're of yes. a place, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's um. Yeah, I like drinking. Yeah, yeah. it's nice, it's nice to is, just have a little. I'm Italian. I, you know, I need to drink. I need a little wine. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I just like drinking. Well, and um, it's social, and that's you know, and I think that's sort of the European way, which I really love that you're saying because it's, it's sort of this thing of. Not only you get to enjoy your dinner and with your people, and sometimes I'm not gonna lie, you like to get off your shift and have a glass just to detune. I mean, that's just the reality, especially in our line of work. We all like to do that, but but I think when you're actually having it in this natural sense, the way that dry farm wines intends, it's it feels better to know that I really do love yeah, that, and I love it's knowing adding to your life, and it's not yes. And someone else's. You're supporting other for- farmers who are really supporting the sustainability. You're getting down to the health root of it. I think the less sugar, less sugar is huge for a lot of people, I think, as well. I, just as we were talking, just on Apple News Spotlight, just came out an article called The Science Behind Sugar Cravings. Mm. And so they're real. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it is. drinking your sugar in Absolutely. your Absolutely. So I, like, did, like, hardcore keto for a couple years, and it's that – changed my like life and my flavor profile forever because like I said I can only drink black coffee I haven't had soda in four or five years and even a sip of it is disgusting to me if I even drink lemonade the only one I actually kind of like is either like a very low calorie or very like tart one because it's too sweet and overpowering like I'm just so my whole flavor like I can only eat dark chocolate milk chocolate disgusts me like it just it shifted my flavor profile and I can't even go back now for sure for sure that's the same thing that happens even with our wines people drink our wines for a while then they're like oh I can't right it's way too much sugar or too heavy or yeah and actually I really haven't drank wine in so long since I did that and I'm kind of just like I don't know the taste but then when I had the sip this morning I was like oh that is that's up my alley that's Mm -hmm. something I could drink again but otherwise wine I'm like oh it's just once my flavor profile shifted I've had a really hard time in the last two years really being able to drink wine for that reason yeah and you just can't you just can't yeah. do it I mean it's your whole see when you eat in such a way that's that's real and raw and focused without sugar and additives and sh- sugar is an additive from my pr- perspective it's the most widely addicted addicted and abused drug on the planet but you know, when you get away from You're that so then, and processed foods, mm-hmm. your palate changes. Your palate becomes way more sensitive, mm-hmm. right? And so, and you taste things fresher and better and differently, right? And and anybody can, just like we can regenerate the soil, we can regenerate our palate just by getting yeah. away from those things. Over time, when you get away from them, you cannot go back. And you're like disgusted by it. Even the thought of eating something like milk, I hate it. chocolate, or yeah, no, we one know. Of yeah, every now and then, but it's, no. And even anything that has more like just artificial like things, people will be like, "Oh, you'll love this." It's like because the, they'll say like it's when they try to like sell me on like diet food, like, "Oh, well, it's Ugh. super low calorie and it's this and that." And I taste it and I'm like, "Sugar free, no, 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 it's not sugar, like, yeah. I, I can't. I'd actually, frustrates me. I'm like, that's I'd rather so eat gross. sugar than most of the yes. sweeteners. I'm like artificial right? sweetener. I'm like, you're saying it's sugar free, but then I look at the ingredients and I'm like, that like toxic artificial like aftertaste is so gross that yeah. I'm like, 
I'm so picky because of that. <laughs> I'd rather just eat yes. the sugar if I'm going right. to eat I say that all the time. I'm Give like, me the fully leaded. Give yeah. me fully leaded if that's going to be. Because at least that's like yeah. natural. Right. It's not something that you should do. Like how you said you indulge a few times a year or whatever. But it's better, I think, to have the actual real thing than these Yeah, fake yeah, sure. Things. Even when yeah. I do that, it tastes like, <laughs> I mean, Yeah, you're just not, palate super, isn't used to it. Super hyper sweet. Wait, so I'm curious on your um your diet, because you mentioned a little bit, I, I'm really fascinated by biohacking and I, I just, I love all that. But what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, you wake up and then what is your, your diet and meditation? Like what is your, give us, give us your day-to-day. Yeah, I have a very specific routine that I follow every day. So the first thing I do is get up and I spend about 15 minutes with a pair of Theragons. Ah, Jacob has. We love those. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just like, it's just the beginning of every day. I've got to get blood in those muscles and I've got to get, so I have a gym at my house. So I get in the gym and then I do about 10 minutes in a inversion table hanging upside down. Get that blood rushing. And then, and then from there I get in my Japanese cedar hot tub. Uh, which is 105 degrees for about 15 minutes. Then I take a steam and uh, and a steam and shower. And then uh, I meditate after that for about 35 minutes. And uh, then I generally have green tea in the morning. Uh, I like tea. I don't. It's very lightly steeped. Not. not I don't. I'm very, I'm quite sensitive these days to caffeine, so not not too much. And then from there, I also spend about 20 minutes journaling and sort of working on what I call my life plan. And the rest of my day is is just filled with normal sort of activities of creating. We meet at 10 o'clock. We have a meditation room at my office. We're now back in the office. Uh, during COVID, we would meditate via Zoom. But uh, so we meet from, from 10 to 11, we have a meditation practice. And then at 11 o'clock, we start sort of creating, which is what we call work. And, uh, and that goes on, you know, until five or six in the afternoon. I don't eat, most of my staff, not all, but most of them don't eat during the daytime either. Same. We uh, had on another so, guest who said he did that as well. What do you eat when you eat? What do you t- just pretty standard stuff. Nothing, nothing. I don't, uh, clean protein, vegetables. I don't eat refined carbohydrate very often. The only carb I eat that's a little bit off program is some potatoes. I like potatoes. And so I, I occasionally eat potatoes, but other than that, I don't eat corn products. I don't eat rice. I don't eat grains. I don't eat flour. Um, you know, I mean, that's super rare occasions. Right, right. Super rare. I am curious, like, um, I almost feel like I should try that on a shift. It's funny because we're both shift workers. I'm just thinking of our 12-hour day when we're on our feet. I'm like, I'm, I kind of want to see if that would be something that I could try. I don't know. So I, Keto I worked the best protein. for me when I was doing, like, night shift, night shift. shift work. But did you eat a couple times a, a night? No. Just once? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's. Once you start, once you start eating less often, because your body adapts and, and it actually uses energy in the way that it's intended and, to use it, instead of right. you needing to constantly fuel it with carbs and everything, right. your body becomes more efficient. Because I'm the person that gets the slump during the shift where I just get so tired. So I'm wondering if that's but that's because you're sugar yeah. burner. Yeah. Okay. So you need to replenish that that glycogen. So you know if if you have to 
you, you have to break through that. It's very unpleasant. It takes about a week or 10 days to kind of break through to teach your body to produce ketones as its primary energy sources it, it, instead of relying on glucose, which is something you eat. Right? And so people get hangry. It's a very, you know, some people call it the keto flu. It's like, you know, some people feel quite bad. Not keto is not for everybody. Low carbs, not for everyone. It depends on each individual, you know, so everybody is, everybody is, has different, you know, physiological, biological kind of makeup. And it depends on your goals and your hobbies. Cause once I did start powerlifting, I had to fuel myself a little bit differently. Right. For the heavy lifting. But even then I still feel in general, I feel my body responds best in more of a ketogenic state. Mine does for sure. For, for no question about it. No question about it. It takes three hours for me to go through my entire morning, including my workout, which I didn't mention. I rotate in different type of workouts, but it, you know, so I don't normally, if I have time, like sometimes I come home to do podcasts as I have today. I came over from my office to record this. Sometimes I, if I'm home in the afternoon, I will get in the infrared sauna and do a cold plunge. Um, but, but usually it's only on Friday and I mean, it's usually only Saturday and Sunday and Saturday and every Saturday and Sunday, I do a long infrared sauna for an hour at 170 degrees plus two cold plunges. And it's exhilarating. It's like one of my favorite parts of the weekend. Yeah. So anyway, but I know we're coming up on time. We do have uh, a special offer for your audience. They can get a penny bottle of wine by going to dry farm wines.com forward slash c-e-l-l-f-i-e e-l-l-f-i-e talking about a summer deal and i know we're that's so like excited yeah, good timing for summer and we have like red white sparkling rosés you can choose anything you want so we absolutely loved ours you guys were so thank you todd for offering that for our our, our yeah. viewers we are so thrilled to share this with everyone um we couldn't i couldn't get behind this more i just think everything about it i love everything that you stand for what you're bringing to the wine industry but also the health industry i think this is you know it's part of health and no i figured out what my like christmas gifts are for well my brother and dad are super into oh, here we go. um i mean we're italian so we all <laughs> like wine but nice. um nice. i even first learned just about the world of like well like mark and rob and all those people and paleo and all that just starting to even think about what you put in your body from my brother and stuff. So oh, he'll like, love this. Yeah. He will love this. And he actually does kind of struggle with um, red wine for the same reasons I do, too, yeah. because it is like he gets rash and yeah. some swelling, too. So I'm like, ooh, I'm going to Christmas gift this up. This is perfect yeah. for birthday, for Christmas. Before we head out, Todd, is there any like last life tip that you can offer for our our listeners or anything you just want to leave? Just love ah. Okay. Just love more. So that. I have this. So my favorite <laughs> quote at Dry Farm Wines, we recite this quote quite often. And it goes like this: When you look back on a well-lived life, there likely be three things that you thought were very important. One, how much you loved. Number two, how gently you lived. Number three, how gracefully you release the things that are not meant for ooh, you. Ooh, that's a good one. Very good. That's what I'm working on. 
Yeah, just love more. It's just a lot more mm. fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Life is better. Life is better. You that way. look at it from yeah, that lens. Definitely. Uh, before we head out, Todd, where can everybody find you? All the socials, all the platforms, all the websites. We are Dry Farm Wines on all social and easy to find mm-hmm. us. We're everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you so much you for your have time. A glass of wine. Yeah, right we're gonna now, go. Now. We're gonna go day drink. It's our a lunch break. <laughs> it is. <laughs> nice. Well, peace out. Thanks thank you so me. much. We thank appreciate you, your time. Come to come, oh, up, yes. come up and drink some wine and come to my biohacking house. Um, so that's Tori's like Jacob and Jacob's and like life dream is mm-hmm. to have a biohacking mm-hmm. house. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna take you up on that when we come visit Napa. We'll come say hi. All nice. Right. Nice. Well, thank All you. Appreciate it feel like having a drink hey girl yes can we please we need to go finish that